0: Worship the Lord,
1: put your hands together, for us, come on. Come oh, on, my voice is struggling a little bit this morning. Let me out and sing
2: Joy to the world.
1: God, we praise your name in this place. Thinking about the time of the year and the season, we, we love you and we just thank you for what you've done for us, that, that we can celebrate your birth, that we can celebrate the love that you have for us, that even when you went to the cross, you had our name on your lips, that you knew us by name before we were even thought of. So we love you and we continue singing proclaiming your name, declaring the power of of your names. We love you and we, we pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said.
3: God, we, uh, we come before you and just exalt you as king. And God, I just know that every, every time we gather, whether it's in, a, in the stillness and quietness of a home or just by ourselves, just gathering with you and, or with a life group or at a restaurant or we are gathering here in this building, God, we, we just desire to make you the priority. And so, Jesus, as we move on, I pray that we would find our rest in you. We wouldn't find our rest in whatever human achievement we may be clinging to, or God, whatever guilt that we are just being plagued by now, I pray that we would just relinquish that guilt and that we would move from more guilt to more of you, just to let those things go, to to not be concerned about church attendance or how much we give or how many people that we know, or whatever our kids look like, our relationships look look like, God, but we would be concerned about our relationship with you and how much you love us. And so God, I pray that we would be filled up by you this morning. And uh, just so thankful for this church and so thankful, most importantly, Jesus for you. You are such a gift. You are life-changing, purpose-giving. And so we uh, just proclaim you and we proclaim you as King and we give you all the honor and glory. And just pray all this in the power of Jesus. Amen. Good morning, guys. You can have a seat. Okay, so we're so glad you guys are here today. Um, when you came in, you should have seen these on your seats, uh, about three of them. We just want to encourage you, take these home, pray over them the next day, give them to a friend, neighbor, family member, someone that you've been really praying about. And uh, God's just laid on your heart to bring and invite them to church. Tomorrow's a great opportunity. 2, 4, 6 p.m. uh, Tomorrow
0: here.
3: Candles, people. Real fire-burning candles. They will be here. And we're super excited because uh, as long as I have been alive, that's marked. Tradition for me is just having the candles and being able to sing Silent Night with my church family. And so you're my church family, and it's a privilege to be here. And so we're just excited about that. So grab a card or two if you need more. Come find Chris or myself or somebody on staff, and we'll get you more if you need more. We'd be happy to give those to you. Um, But my encouragement is take a risk, invite somebody. The rejection's worth it because 80% of people will show up if they're invited. That personal invite goes so far. We invited our neighbors to the play, and they said, Yeah, we'd love to come, and they came, and they absolutely loved it, and so it's worth the risk, so that's my encouragement. One thing before I forget is if you pass the folders, we really appreciate that. Let us know that you're here. If you're brand new, if you look in the the chair in front of you, there's a little red card, and you can fill that out, and then if you bring it to the Welcome Center, they have something to give you for free. It's just saying thanks for checking out Crossroads, and thanks for visiting us this morning, Uh, but guys, we're super excited at what God's doing here at Crossroads. Are we not? Amen? Come on. I think we can be a little more excited because God's on the move, people. Come on. I'm still riding on 40, 40 plus people said yes to Jesus from the dessert theater. 40 plus people surrendered their lives to Jesus Christ. And we are just super excited to keep that party going because we're gonna continue to make Jesus the priority. And so we're really excited about what God's gonna do this morning. Um, one thing I wanna say is that if you look in your bulletin and open up, there's a, the, the birthday gift of Jesus list. I'm gonna invite Pastor Al. He's gonna share more about that.
1: Morning, everyone. Well, the great news is we are in forty-eight thousand dollars for the birthday gift to Jesus. Let's give it up for the Lord. That is so exciting, and everybody who gives, doesn't matter what they give, you become an instant part of the birthday gift to Jesus. And for some of you, you may say, I haven't given anything yet, but I've been praying. I've been looking at this list and just asking God. Well, guess what? You're still a part of it. Well, two of the projects we're going to talk about today uh, are near and dear to our hearts, our family's hearts. Uh, the first is Good Shepherd Fold Orphanage, which is on the island of Guimars in the Philippines. And my wife grew up there. Uh, she was taken there as just an infant. They didn't know how old she was, so they gave her a birth date. They gave her a name. And she was able to discover the truth. When my mother and my father forsake me, then the Lord lifted me up. And uh, and that orphanage has been instrumental in doing that for children since 1947. Uh, just loving them up in the name of Jesus Christ, helping them grow up and just discover who they are and what all that God wants for them to be. Some of the things that our church has been able to do there, we've built a pretty much major part of building a girls dorm a rehabbing a boys dorm and uh we've been giving faithfully from this church to there since 2008 the money goes toward rice on a monthly basis There's six sacks of rice uh for the orphans also in supplying school supplies for the orphans as well as uh outreach children and also toiletries We buy uh, through the funds. They were able to get shoes and tennis shoes and uniforms uh, for the children. As well as, I know we got a Facebook message from one of the women there, uh, Celedonia Engalado, during the night. And she simply said they had their gift giving for the children and also their Christmas dinner. So the boys and girls get not only a little meal, but they get a piece of cake, they get a soft drink, they get an apple. And sometimes people would say, that's it that's a huge deal for them because there is a long time they didn't have christmas meals they would just life went on and so that's something special our church has been able to do that and with the bible college they have a one-year program all the way through master's degrees right now and uh, james and isa i think you saw a picture of them they have t-shirts with 24 and counting on them and the reason for that is Several years ago, the Bible college was able to start doing some Bible studies within it's called Manila's Boys Town. It's just an orphanage, but they just sort of gather up street crits. kids and take them to this place and they house them. That they start doing some Bible studies. They did a youth camp within Manila's Boys Town. And uh, Jamesy and Issa, uh, along with some others, have decided to start to foster and to adopt. And so there's a picture, 24 and counting. They have right now 24 people in their family. They have seven of their own children and they just have a lot of uh, foster and they're adopting as they're able to. One of the boys they adopted is Charlie and you see a picture of him there. He's now, uh, he's from Manila Boys Town. He was a street kid. He's now adopted into their family and he's part of the Bible College. Uh, Also, they're doing something right now. We're sending students from the college over to Thailand to uh, intern there. Uh, with a couple different ministries. So it's God's just working in incredible ways. We thank everyone for your prayers, for how you've you've given. And it's amazing because God's literally taking students from that school, putting them all over the world at this time as pastors and missionaries. And uh, God's going to continue to do that. But thank you so much. Uh, for just being a part of the birthday gift to Jesus. We can rejoice in what God is doing, what he'll continue to do. I'd like to ask our men to come at this time as we take our offering. And if you're new in this place today, uh, you can let the plate pass you by. This is for all those who are part of the crossroads and in the giving of the regular grace of giving. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, Lord, we thank you for who you are. Thank you, Father, for just in so many ways, blowing us away of how you continue to provide for the birthday gift of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the reminder in as much as you've given to the least of these, my brethren, you've given to me. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be a part of what you're doing, not only in Finleyville, but in our outer communities and all around the world. Thank you, Father, for your provision. Thank you, Father, for the privilege. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: I've been thinking about different Christmas carols, and this morning I've been thinking about that song, O oh Holy Night. It's one of the classics of Christmas. You know, it's almost like if you don't have O Holy Night, you haven't had Christmas, right? And uh, one of the most powerful words in there is oh, holy, and O oh, Holy Night is a thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And, and as the, the, the writer of those old carols, they were trying to push an agenda to tell you who Jesus is, and they were telling you about the hope. And as they were talking about the hope that they had, about the, the thrill of hope, I want to say, I hope that you've caught a little bit of the thrill of hope, because without hope, there's no thrill. And I found that because we live in a world that's overwhelmed, anxious. Uh, Making poor decisions, we struggle in relationships, families are broken, we deal with health problems, cancer, diabetes, addiction, depressions. We deal with all these things, and people need hope. And so when you have hope, there's thrill. There's something to look forward to. I can get through this. Why? Because there's light at the end of the tunnel. I know that I have hope. I have something to live for. And as we go through the Christmas season, I want to remind you that the hope that we have is not a cure to cancer. The cure that we have is Jesus. And he's the cure for all of your deepest needs. And so as we look at this today, we're, we're going to look at how do we respond to hope. Because it's one thing to know about hope. It's another thing to actually respond to it and be able to, uh, to learn and say, okay, how, how, how do I connect to this hope? And so we're going to look today at how Mary had a journey. Mary took a journey that was absolutely thrilling and uh, and it brought hope. And when you see how that she responded to the thrill of hope this morning, uh, you, will you join with me at Luke chapter 1, verse 26? It'll be on the screen. You can also follow along in the Bible. Uh, there should be a Bible in front of you. You can look it up. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, to the house of David, of of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was greatly troubled at his saying and considered what kind of a greeting was this. Uh, This morning, as we look at this, as we look at Mary, look at her journey, I want you to understand, first of all, that faith can take a journey. Some people, you know, you, you see some people, they go out and they start their journey of faith and, and it looks like, wow, that, that was easy for them. They came to church and their life was changed on the first day. Other people, it takes a journey and, and it's like, wow, this could be several weeks to several months. And some people, it's even several years. And so as we think about the journey that Mary was on, let's look here this morning, what, what happened to Mary. Mary takes a journey and look how she responds. An angel comes to her, the, 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 the term, the The word for angel is angelos, and it means messenger. Okay, we can turn that down a little bit. Okay, I feel like I'm in Disney. Anyhow, but that's coming. The, the word for angel is uh, is is, uh, is the word for angel is angelos, and it means messenger. And that's what she did. She brought this. Good, uh, the, the, he brought good news. He brought a message from God. And uh, we're going to see here in just a moment what the what what it was like for the angel Gabriel to just show up. I mean, when when the angel just shows up, you know, it's like, wow, uh, you know, this isn't what you're thinking of. An an angel is pretty scary, actually, because you don't often see angels. Has has anybody ever seen an angel? Okay. Not too many people. I don't know too many people that have seen an angel. I can tell you my angel story. About, uh, you know, many years ago when I was running a youth group, I was young and had a lot of energy, and I took a group of teenagers to New York City. As we were in New York City, I'll never forget, the World Trade Center was still around, so I'm telling you how long ago it was that we were up there. And the world, uh, we, I said we were going to take this group of teenagers and we were going to tour the World Trade Center. So I'll never forget, we went down at eight o'clock at night. Now, that's, this was before the days that teenagers had cell phones and could text their mom and post it up in real time what was happening, right? So we, we went down to the World Trade Center, and you know inherently the kids were late getting out, so we, we said we're leaving at 8, we left at 8.30, and I said we're going to go to the World Trade Center, then we're going to see the Statue of Liberty. So we get down there to the World Trade Center, and as we get down there, because the kids were just so late and getting moving, what happened? The last elevator went up and we didn't get to see the World Trade Center. We saw it from the bottom, we didn't get to see it from the top. So we continue on. We go out on the Staten Island Ferry. It's now 11 o'clock at night. Now, mind you, I've got 30 suburban kids from Pittsburgh, and we are on the Staten Island Ferry. It's 11 o'clock at night. And I'm saying, Lord, just get me home. You know, this was not the wisest decision I've ever made. And God's like, I know. I didn't choose you for your wisdom. I chose you because I can work in your stupidity, okay? So, so God has me on the Staten Island Ferry, and it gets better. I now land at the stat line fair, it's like 11, 15, whatever, we're getting off. I'm thinking, normally you just get off and get, go, go right back. And they come on and say, folks, we have an announcement, the boat needs to be shut down for two hours, one o'clock will be the next one going back. And I'm like, okay, 30 suburban kids from Pittsburgh, I got to take subways at one to two in the morning, this is not going to be fun. So I'm like counting heads constantly, because as a youth pastor, you want to know that everybody came back alive. That's the biggest thing, you know? I don't care if they had a good time, that they all come back. That's all I cared about, right? So we did it. We went, and I made sure they all came back. So I'm like a nervous wreck. I'm like, God, forgive me. I'll never do this again. And I get on the Staten Island Ferry at 1 o'clock to come back, and it's the middle of the night. And I tell you that uh, I'm sitting there, and I'm just saying, God, help us. And people could tell I was disturbed. And uh, one guy comes over to me. And I'll never forget because at one in the morning, there's just not a whole lot of people on those things. So it's like we kind of own the whole boat, the whole ship to ourself. And, and I'm moving around, running around, checking on kids because, you know, they got to hang off the edge. They got to go do this. And, uh, and so this guy comes up to me and he says, hey, relax. I know you're here to do God's work. You're going to do just fine. God's going to protect you until you get back to your hotel. And I'm thinking, who are you? And I, he's just another man. He just looked He looked just, well, probably better looking than me, but he looked just like me, right? He's just a guy out there in the middle of the thing. And, and, and then I go around, and I'm doing my thing, and I'm telling you, I searched the boat high and low. I could not find the guy anymore. I checked every bathroom. I checked both sides, men and women. I couldn't find a guy. It was like, he was gone, man. He was, it was like, what happened to this guy? So I could tell you, I could give you this story and say that that was an angel, but you know what you're going to say? Nah. It was a guy on a boat and he saw your church shirt and he said something to calm you down because you're panicking, right? And you would, that's, that's what you would say. Whether that was an angel or not, I have no clue, because I'll tell you what, if that was an angel, I'm a little bit disappointed, man. I want to see the wings. I want to see the bright light. Not the heart part, but the bright light, you know. I want to see all that. And so, so here's what happened. When Mary came to meet the angel, she was afraid, because people just don't meet angels every day. And especially in that time, they, the Jewish people had known about the, the, the long awaited promise of the Messiah. They had known about that, that prophets had spoken times gone by. They had known about visions. They had known about angels. But nobody, because there had been 400 years of silence, nobody ever talked to an angel. Now I want to roll this clip. I want you to watch what might have happened on this clip.
2: <laughs>
3: Joseph. <laughs>
2: is with you do not be afraid Mary. for you have found favor with God come you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son and you will call his name Jesus
1: how can this be since I've been with no man
2: the Holy Spirit will come upon you And the power from the Most High will overshadow you. And the Holy Offspring shall be called the Son of God. Son of God? Mary, even your cousin Elizabeth has conceived a son in her old age. For nothing said by God can be impossible. Let it be done to me according to your word.
0: consider what happens here mary comes in and has an encounter with an angel it's not like something that happens every day and so mary's response it says verse 28 and 29 rejoice highly favored one the lord is with you blessed are you among women Uh, but when she saw him she was troubled i I think sometimes i just kind of read over that she was troubled and she, she considered, what kind of a greeting is this? In other words, she's asking herself, is this real? That word for considered there, it means to make an audit. Uh, it's an accounting term. It means to be adding things up, to weigh in, to ponder, to be intensely rational. So she is being very intense and she's saying, listen, I don't know anybody who's ever seen an angel. None of my family has seen an angel. Oh, yeah, I remember hearing that from our ancestors and that stuff that we heard, but is that even true? She is in front of this angel, and she's like, wow, what is going on here? And so she's troubled as any normal person would be, and she's asking, am I really talking to an angel? Is this a a hallucination? What's going on here? Verse 30, then the angel said to her, do not be afraid. And again, angels quite often said, do not be afraid. You look throughout all scripture, you'll find that they said, do not be afraid, because most of the time people were afraid when an angel appeared. Uh, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Jesus. And so Mary, so first of all, she's troubled, and so she she doesn't shut the process down, but she's troubled, and she's weighing in. she's saying, okay, what's going on here? You're a mighty favored. This is cool, but who are you? Um, And then he says, don't be afraid, here's the news. Remember, a messenger, Angelos, uh, he is a messenger from God, and he's come to give this message that, hey, you are highly favored, and that you are going to carry the Messiah. Uh, Verse 32, he will be great, he will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be since I don't know a man? She says, How can this be since I've never had sex? I've never had a physical relationship with a man. I'm engaged. I'm in my betrothal to Joseph. And, uh, what, what a betrothal was, it was like a legal engagement. You could get out of it, but it was pretty hard to get out because it's the last step before the consummation. And it's like th- this, this is, this is fast track. And the only way that you would get out would be typically unfaithfulness. And so she's, she hears this news and immediately she, uh, she does not immediately accept at this point. She Look how she responds. She says, what? She says, how are you going to do this? Because I don't even have physical relationships with a man. I haven't even crossed that bridge yet, and you want me to have a baby? Uh, Gabriel, that's a pretty good idea, but how's this going to happen? Because I'm a virgin. And you can understand what's going on in Mary's heart. Because if this is true... If this is true, it's the biggest thing that would ever happen to her. It's the biggest thing that would ever happen to anybody in her family, the biggest thing that would ever happen to any Jewish woman, and better yet, the biggest thing that would happen to any woman ever to live. And responding in faith, I want you to understand, involves all parts of us. So whenever you first come, I think many people, we come to faith, and, and we have to remember that it's okay if you question along the way. Uh, there were barriers to faith. And this was a great barrier. How, how am I going to have a baby? Uh, you know, how, how am I supposed to cooperate with God? I'm a virgin. What, what, what's this all about? And Mary was responding in a very similar way that you and I would. It's easy for us to read this passage and just say, well, you know, in Bible times, they, they saw angels and that's just the way it was. And, but I want you to remember, as a Jewish woman, Mary was trained to understand that God is one God. And that she was trained... Not to think of God as a human. She was trained to think of God as as somebody in heaven. As somebody that they worship. And she looked through the ancestry and the heritage all along. But she did not have this comprehension that God would become a man and make his dwelling among us. The thought of God coming down as a man was foreign to her. And just like us, Mary was trained by her culture not to believe in the supernatural. If someone tells you that they saw an angel, you're thinking, oh, well, that's nice. Let's move on to the next thing. And you just chalk it up as their experience, similar to my experience on the boat in the Staten Island Ferry. We just go, then we say, well, no, that couldn't be. But here, Mary has a legitimate experience with an angel. This is, this is, God broke his silence. And it's kind of very powerful. And he begins, and Mary takes the steps. So the barriers that she faced uh, uh, to belief were every bit as big as the barriers that you may face. You say, well, what kind of barriers do I face to faith?" I want you to think about this. The fact that Jesus came to this earth, that he died on a cross, there's a degree of faith. And, and as you come to trust that, as you come to understand, there's a, there's a partner there that you say, how can this be? Because we've grown up in a culture, we have been engulfed. Our society and the world in general that we live in has a different value system. And nowhere do we see somebody who comes and gives you something and you don't have to earn it. That's what God did for us. And as a matter of fact, if you look at all the religions of the world today, you don't see that in most religions. I would say you don't see that in anything but Christianity, because everybody else is trying to tell you how to be better, how to earn, how to gain favor. And so when you come to understand Christ, you may have doubts, you may have questions, you may try to go through your own understanding, you may try to ask questions, and then here's what happened, then she believed. She doubted. She questioned, she waited, and then she asked the questions, and then she believed. And maybe you're struggling with your faith. And I want you to know it's okay to ask questions, and it's okay to go along the journey. so, So Mary says to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? Now I'd like to read to you also If you go under Luke chapter 1 You can look in your Bible this morning Luke chapter 1 verse 8 This is not on the screen But I just want to read to you about Zechariah Zechariah was married to Elizabeth Who was the cousin of Mary And Zechariah and Elizabeth You have to understand something about them they, He was of the priestly order and so he would get to go and he, he would get to go and serve in the temple from time to time. Uh, let me just read to you here, Luke chapter 1, verse 8. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priest, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was burning, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him. Standing to the right of the incense altar. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting. Luke just gives you these details. And I thought, what's the significance of, to the right of, to, of the altar? I mean, he, he's given you down to the details. He's given you eyewitness accounts here. This, this is what the eyewitnesses said. It was to the right of the altar that Zechariah was standing. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said... Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Wouldn't you love that if God spoke to you and said that? Wouldn't you love that if you've been praying and praying and praying, you're praying over an issue, and all of a sudden an angel appeared to you in your family room and said, hey, relax. God has heard your prayer. You know what God does hear our prayer. This is the experience that Zechariah had. He's praying and he's praying and he's praying and then and then an angel comes down and speaks to him and says, "Hey, listen. God has heard your prayer." And you know what the prayer was? It had been praying for his for a baby for years, but I think at this point he was no longer praying that. He says, "Your wife Elizabeth will give you a son and you are to name him John." This would become John the Baptist. He would be the forerunner to Christ. And look what he says. He says, you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. What, what had happened? There was seven hundred years from the time of Isaiah till till the time of Jesus. It was seven hundred years, and and there was just turnover after turnover, oppression after oppression. I think it was something around twenty-five times they went through the cycle of oppression and somebody uh, dominating Israel. And and here's what happened: the people of Israel said, "God's not working anymore." It was a period of 700 years of torture and 400 years of no prophet gave another vision, no prophet gave another word, none of these things. It was 400 years of silence and people were turning away from God. And yet Zechariah Zechariah was of the priestly order and, and here it says that they drew lots for him to be able to serve. What happened was the priest, the, there, there were like 23 different orders of them. The, the, uh, uh, within, the, within the priestly order, there was 23 different groupings. And so they would come, and they would draw lots, and they believed that this was how God worked. And and, and that was what they did, and they drew, drew a lot. And so they would come over, and they would get to serve, and it was a huge honor. So here's Zechariah. He's serving in the temple, and here an angel comes to him and meets him to the right of the altar, and he tells him this good news, and he says that, look, this baby is going to return Israelites back to God. He is going to... And I think it's kind of interesting how he says it to him. He'll be great. He's not going to drink any alcohol. He is going to be, he is going to be pure. He's going to be focused on God, and he is going to bring all these people unto him. He's going to cause a revolution for people to turn around. You know, that's really our job today we're here to bring people to jesus we point people back to jesus we we are the forerunners we let them know how great our god is and then whenever they find jesus it's like wow here he is and this is this is what happened so he says he, he continues on he will turn he will turn many israelites to the lord their god he will be a man with the spirit of the and power of elijah he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn their hearts of the fathers to their children. He will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Zechariah said to the angel, Now, this is kind of cool. So, the angel gives them this great news God's heard your prayer. They were praying when they were 20 for a baby. When they were 30, they were praying for a baby. When they were 40, they were praying for a baby. And maybe by the time they got to 50, they said, should we give up hope? But look what Zechariah says here. Zechariah says to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man now. And I love what he says about his wife. And my wife is also well along in years. <laughs> he was a smart man. He didn't say, I'm old, my wife's older. <laughs> he said, I'm old, but my wife, she ain't old. She's just well along in years, right? How can I be sure this is going to happen? We are too old. God, we prayed for years. We gave up. We didn't. We didn't even want that anymore. We're we're so old now. You, you know, I have a, I have a friend of mine who was telling me that whenever his kid graduates from high school or whatever, he's going to be sixty. And I said, that's pretty cool. He goes, Oh no, it's not. I said, I think it is cool. He goes, I don't think so. He goes, oh, I'm I'm getting old. I said, it's only in your mind. He goes, it's in my knees. Okay? And and it was just like, wow, we we were having this discussion. I said, okay, I I got you. I think that's where this guy was at. Zachariah was old. Well beyond childbearing years. And he remembers the dream. He remembers the passion that, God, you would do something and it looked like God wasn't going to do anything anymore. And guess what? He kept serving. He didn't quit. But whenever God come to answer his prayer, he's like, really now? Really? You want me to have a baby? And then when we're in the nursing home, we'll be right next to the nursery and, the, and then the walker. How we carry this baby with a walker, you know? He's going through all this in his mind. It's like you're late and then I love how the angel responds to him. Gabriel says this. He says, I am Gabriel. Oh, I love it. There's a big explanation point there. I am Gabriel. I could just see the, 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 the angel saying, now listen to me. I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. I have stood in the presence of God Almighty. This is the one who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, look at this. He says, now since you don't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time, at the appointed time. And you're saying, wait a minute. Here was a couple that prayed from the time they got married, Pray pre 20 to all through their 20s to all through their 30s to all through their 40s and just gave up after 20, 20, 30, how many years praying? And you're saying that God said, I'm going to answer your prayer at the right time, at the appointed time. In other words, this man was struggling over here. This is what he wanted and when he wanted it. And God said, I already have the plan, and this is when it will happen over here. Kind of interesting. And the angel continues on. He says, uh, uh, he says now since you didn't believe what I said, you'll be silent and you'll be unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. And now he can't speak. Could you imagine that nine months you couldn't speak? Nine months. Uh, meanwhile, the people are waiting for Zachariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. And then they realized from his gestures and his silence that they had seen a, that he had, must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. So you could just see him. You know, doing one of these type of things. I can't talk. And he said, something must have happened to him. And so when Zachariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Soon afterwards, his wife, Elizabeth, became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, Elizabeth exclaims. He has taken away my disgrace. You see, there is questioning to believe, and then there is questioning to disbelieve. I want to encourage you to be the, the question to believe. Mary was questioning, and she said, what Mary was saying. Mary's come to this point, and she's questioning because if this is true, her whole life is going to be changed. It is going to be radical, and this is what's going to happen. Her life will be totally changed because she's asking the questions to make sure this is real because if it is real, I'm going to buy in, and this is going to be a wild ride for the rest of my life. Zachariah, he kept serving. He was faithful whenever it didn't look like God was faithful. He kept going, kept going, kept going. And now he's questioning because this is going to change his life. And I'm not so sure that I'm ready to do this right now. And he comes in and he has that question. I want to encourage you on your journey of faith. Questioning is okay. But question to find out If I am going to put my life into this, not because, see, because if Jesus is God, it demands a response from every one of us. And if he is God, it's going to demand that we respond to him with your life, not some creed, folks. Listen, if Jesus is just something that you nod to, you're out. God didn't die on the cross so that you could just say, "Mm mm-hmm, that's nice. I'm in the right camp. There are no camps. God says, I want you to buy into who I am because I am the king of kings. I'm the Lord of lords. And I want you, your life will be changed. But I think some people are afraid of that. I think some people are afraid because if I follow Christ, then maybe some. And I think some Christians are afraid of that. I think some people that have followed Christ for a number of years, maybe you're afraid to really sell out. What if God asked you to do something crazy like say hi to your neighbor? Wouldn't that be scary? What if he wanted you? I mean, we're all afraid that we're going to have to be a missionary somewhere. But what about just across the street? Kind people come to our church, moved in across the street from me. They brought me cookies yesterday. Thank you, Lord. I'm so happy. Listen, this, this, is, this is what God's called us to do, is to be caring, to let the gospel be known, to reach out. And so God, God if he is God, it's going to demand a response from you. It's going to demand that you're uncomfortable. Mary was extremely uncomfortable. Zechariah, his whole life. Listen, when you're planning that stage of life, you're not planning a baby. <laughs> and that's where they were at. And so, so here's what happens. Faith grows when I take baby steps, when I take baby steps. So you start out with, uh, with questioning, and then you move into the baby steps. So my faith grows when I take a baby step. Uh, Luke one thirty five, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, uh, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. So he lets her know, hey, listen, this is also happening with Elizabeth. Let me tell you what's going on over there. She She's old age. and She's not a virgin birth. But listen, God made it so that Zachariah and Elizabeth, they could have a baby in her old age. It, it, she, it's just too old. And and then Luke one thirty seven. this is a powerful verse. I want you to memorize this. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Would you read that with me? For with God, nothing will be impossible. There is nothing that you cannot do that God has promised. You see, I think many times we take a verse like that and say, well, nothing's impossible with God. I'm going to make a million dollars next year. And God says, I don't think so. You're going to have to work really hard for that one. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to pray that a million dollars will show up in my mailbox. I've been praying that for about 18 years. Okay? None of that comes in my mailbox. I want you to catch this. The idea of this verse is that upon God's word, when God says something, if God said it, it's not impossible. And I think that we could change our life by taking a little dose of what the angel said to Mary. If, if, God, if nothing is impossible with God. You know, it's not impossible for me to raise my kids to honor God. It's not impossible for, for you to live and impact the, the community. It's not impossible. Oh, you may have trials along the way, and there may be points in your journey that it looks like all hope is lost. Parenting is not an easy job, folks. I wish I would have had an owner's manual before I got my kids. Okay, there was none of that. You could, there was nothing. We didn't have Google and you could download it back then, you know, we had to learn hard school. It's a hard life. And there's days that you think all hope is lost. And then as you get into your adult years and you see all the problems that come with adult years and as we grow older, we see our aging years and we think that all hope is lost. May I tell you that hope is not lost because with God, all Things are possible. Nothing is impossible without God. As long as he said it, his word will follow through. And so here's what Mary said. Mary's coming to him, and Mary, Mary is getting this word from God. Verse 28, Mary said, Behold the maid servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be. I am your servant. Do what you have said. I am in agreement. And the angel departed. So I wanted you to look at this journey that she was on. She took baby steps, okay? Her first step, was it was weighing. She measured it. How can this be? She was saying that this is totally crazy, that this is impossible, that this can't happen. And then, then you know, when you think about this, we do the same thing, because when we start to understand that Jesus came to this earth and that the reason he came was for you personally... That demands a response, and the response is scary because if it's true, you got to make sure it's true. And you ask the right questions to make sure it's true. And as you start to understand, all of a sudden you say, okay, because it's true, I'm going to keep going. So you keep taking some of those baby steps. You take those baby steps. She didn't stop the conversation. She kept the conversation going. She said, well, how can this be? I mean, this is what God's going to do. Quite often, God does things in our life, and we're afraid of them. We're scared of what he's going to do. So she keeps asking questions. And then finally, she comes to accept. Verse 29, 28 and 29. Behold, I am your servant. Let it be to me according to your word. Do what you said you would do. See, when you take those baby steps, God keeps growing growing your faith. Keeps growing your faith and then one day your, your faith rejoices. Look at one, Luke one forty one. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe in her womb leaped for joy. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. Now check this out. Mary goes over to Elizabeth. The angel told her, and you know what Mary was doing? She said yes. She didn't say, I've got this all figured out. She said, I'll I'll go on the journey. So you know what she did? She's verifying. Okay. Folks, Elizabeth didn't send Mary a text and say, hey, guess what? I'm pregnant at 90. She she didn't do that, okay? Maybe it was Google. Hey, Google, send a text. Well, I'm sorry. This thing will start talking, right? She goes over. She gets to her cousin, and she verifies the story. And as she comes, John the Baptist, the little baby in the womb of Elizabeth, leaps for joy. And she says, I can't believe this. Blessed are you, Mary. Look what God is going to do. Look how God is going to use you. And it is so powerful what, what happens to her. And she says, blessed is she who believes. For there this was going to come true. And then Mary, Mary rejoices. Verse 46, Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly of his, the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, from all generations forward will call me blessed all generations will call me blessed for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name so mary responds in amazement she responds with great praise and then she, then she sings a song to god it's known as the magnificent and i wish i had another hour because this is just so good but luke 150 and his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation she's singing to god she, See, when she found, she went through the questioning. Is this real? What does this mean? Yes. After she said yes, she had great joy. And she goes on all the way down through her magnificent. Verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel. at 54. And he has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and his seed forever. As we close this morning, I want you to remember that your faith will respond in amazement, but it also responds in surrender. Here's what happened. Mary is 15 years old. And as you think about a young girl 15 years old, an angel tells her you're going to have a baby and you didn't have sex, and she's scared to death. She is scared to death. She says, yes. Yes, God, I'll, I'll go along with your plan. What would happen if Mary didn't? Did you ever think about that? What would happen if Mary did guess God would have had to choose another Mary, right? Had to find somebody else. She said yes to God's plan. You know what she didn't know? She, did, she knew that the angel said that you're going to have this Messiah, and you're going to name him Jesus. She didn't know that in nine months she'd be riding a donkey into Bethlehem. She didn't know about the tax that would take place. She didn't know that there would be no room in the inn. She didn't know that she'd be out in a manger trough having this baby. She had no clue of that. Because the angel didn't say, and on December the 25th, there'll be shepherds coming from afar, and there'll be a star, and there'll be wise men. No, he didn't say any of that. She had no clue about the hard ride that was coming. She had no clue that they would have to flee when the baby was two years old, flee to Egypt. She had no understanding of that. She had no clue that her son would be hated by most of the population. She had no clue that. She had no clue that she would have to stand there and watch her son die on the cross. She had no clue that she would have to stand there and watch Jesus lay out one hand and hear him scream in pain. And lay out the other hand and hear him scream in pain. She had no clue of the suffering, but she said yes. And I want to ask you, will you follow Christ? It's what Jesus wants you to do. He wants you to follow Christ. You don't have a clue of the suffering that's coming. But may I say this, you will suffer with or without Christ. And the suffering without Christ is harder. Jesus says, I'm going to give you eternal life. I'm going to give you life that will get you through this. Come unto me, all that are weak and heavy laden. I'll give you rest. And I invite you into a relationship with Jesus this morning. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, When you think about Mary, Mary had no clue what was coming. Mary had no clue of the surrender, what her surrender meant, but she said yes. And maybe this morning you're in a moment of a really hard time. Maybe you've been following God, but you're having problems with your marriage. Maybe you're having problems with your kids. Maybe you're having physical problems. Maybe you're having a financial problem. And for you, it just looks like God is not working. May I bring you back to Jesus, to the true thrill of hope today. May I invite you to him. Maybe you've been following Christ for a long time. And today, I want, I want you to just come back. It's okay to question. It's okay because he has all the answers. There's not one question that you have that God doesn't know the answer to. So call on him and ask him, say, God, why is this... Help me, Lord. Help me through this issue. Help me to understand who you are. Help me to understand why you died for me. Help me to understand that you have a plan whenever it looks like there is none. So today, I'm just going to ask with our heads bowed and eyes closed, every person call on God and deal with that personal issue that you need to lay at his feet. Because God is at work. And at just the right time, he's going to do what he said he would do. At the appropriate time, at the appointed time, it's coming. It's coming. But right now, it looks like all hope is gone. You call on him. And maybe you've hearing you've said, Pastor Ken, I've never trusted Christ as my Savior. I invite you into a relationship with Jesus. Would you call on him today if that's you? Say, Pastor Ken, I want Jesus into my heart. I'm going to ask you right now in the quietness of this place just to respond to Jesus. and Say something like this. Dear God. I am a sinner. I've done wrong things. But I believe that you died on the cross. And you paid for my sin. You came back to life again for me. And I invite you into my life right now. Lord, be with everyone in this room as we have come to the grips of the reality of who you are. That you are the God of the universe. You are an incredible God. God, I ask that you would uh, just give us the touch from on high. Lord, help us as we reach out to our friends, our family, our neighbors, as we celebrate this season, Lord, and put you at the center. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together as we dismiss. Please take a few of those invitations put them out at lunch today. Last week I was at lunch. Somebody pulled one of those out and they said, here, and the waitress said, I'd love to come. Isn't that cool? I'm going to encourage you to take a few of those, put them all over the place. God bless you. You are dismissed. We'll see you tomorrow, two, four, and six.